It's time for JT the Brick. I am JT the Brick, focused black hole, getting in there, ready to rock. I got my A game. I've been there with the Raider Nation in the black hole. I've been in this rivalry. I've seen it in my 24 years here. It's a do or die game. Can't let them win in Vegas. Protect the house. Protect the Legion Stadium. Be ready to go. No half-ass effort. You don't need a PhD. You don't need some expert on CNN or Fox News teaching you about fandom. I just told you. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll right now, so let me go. Hey, JT. Yes. I love you, and I love your show, Thank buddy. you. That's what the Raiders are based on. Al Davis, the history of the Raiders. They were always banged up. They were always taped up. They had blood coming through their helmets, and they played the 11 Angry Men. I'm not encouraging injuries. I'm encouraging violence. So that's where we are, Raider Nation. Simply put, man up and play football and win a game. And now. That's a hell of a motivational speech. Here's JT the Brick. All right, we're back on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio, as it is the flagship of the Raiders, but it feels a lot like our friends across the hall with the Golden Knights. A great day yesterday. They brought the Stanley Cup into the studio after the show. So I went home and picked up my son. We threw on our Golden Knight jerseys. We threw the photos up, and just so cool. They had the keeper of the cup in our hockey studio, and we had a little bit of a group of people that were waiting to get pictures it was a lot of fun. You know, don't touch the cup or not. I don't believe in that. I didn't touch it. I did not touch the cup. But it was a great moment for my son and I to see that cup. I've seen it before, but my son for the first time, and it was big. He said, Dad, that is big. I said, yeah, it's a Stanley Cup. Of course it's big. It is the greatest trophy in all of sports. Nothing against the Lombardi or the Larry O'Brien trophy or what we see. You know, Daytona's got the Daytona 500 trophy. I like golf trophies, right? The PGA, the Wanamaker, the Giant Trophy, the U.S. Open Trophy in golf. I love all that, but there's nothing like the Stanley Cup. And Vegas is four wins away. So cover story today by Ben Getz. Knights give thanks for Florida because obviously getting Jonathan so and what they were able to do and get some players coming over that weren't protected. Riley Smith and Jonathan so Great Column today by Ben Getz, if you get the Las Vegas Review-Journal, if you want to find it. Really important about how this team was initially put together with the unprotected players and now how two of the best players and leaders on the team came from Florida. And that's going to give a little bit, excuse me, edge to this team as this team gets rolling and has home ice with these first two games. So I'll be in the building tomorrow if you're going to be out at the Fortress, if you're going to be out at Toshiba Plaza or any way around there. And again, as we lead off, I'll say again, go to PTs. They are locked in. I talked to our partners at PTs this morning just to get some clarity from them. Happy hours, 5 to 7. The game's at 5. It's half-price drinks, 64 taverns here in town. So if you don't have a ticket, if you're looking to go watch it with multiple friends, head on out to our partners, PTs. They're official partners of the Vegas Golden Knights as we get going here. So as we wrap up this Friday, I was excited that we could get Steve Coolius to join us. Steve is an insider on NHL Radio, on Sirius XM NHL Radio Network, and he's one of the fun guys in all of hockey, and I knew he was going to give us a few minutes heading into game one, so I appreciate welcoming in Steve Coolius on a Friday. And, Steve, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. A lot to get to before we preview this, but I want to go back to the closeout game for the Vegas Golden Knights. 6 nothing in Dallas, an absolute blowout. Why was it so easy in that final game for Vegas? 
It was. JT, thanks again for having me. Good to hear your voice. Uh, it was the uh, ballroom blitz. And uh, <laughs> the difference is in hockey is, you know, basically you play, except the backup goalie. But in this playoffs, the backup goalies played a lot. You dress 20, play 19, and they all get an opportunity. And Carrier, Waugh, and Colasar, that's what we call a fourth line for those who might not be familiar with the term. They were outstanding last night. Uh, they started. Bruce Cassidy sent a message by saying he wasn't going to chase line combinations, and they went out and provided skill and grit, and it was special, and they blew Dallas away. And I think Dallas was, uh, you know, they were stuck in uh, IRL in the 1990s, and Vegas was a supreme F1 Ferrari and blew by them. This game was over early, and after one period, I'm sure Vegas was starting to book uh, games three and four (laughs) charter for florida my friend steve what's interesting is you mentioned the fourth line for vegas which was clearly the difference in that game and shouldn't all fourth lines play their ass off i mean if you're not the star mcdavid and dry if you're not the first line if you're on the fourth line you're there for a reason shouldn't you be flying over the boards every game every shift you can play to prove to your coaches that you're better to get on the third line or the second line i think that's a very important point in hockey that the motivation and the ability to play a minute and a half two minutes at high adrenaline with the cup on the line vegas really proved that their depth was the difference it is, and I think what the fourth line has, if we look at 32 teams times three players, are guys who are in a spot where they might think that they're higher or they're third-line players, but their key is to stay in the NHL and get the, the sushi and the caviar and the charter flights and stay in the league because someone wants their job and someone's closer on the team who's the 13th or 14th forward or in the AHL to taking their job. So I think the motivation between a Will Carrier and a Chandler Stevenson are, are different, partly because of skill, partly because of place in the lineup and all those other things. But I think there's something about having to sing for your supper. Despite everything they do, the fourth liners around the league, what do they have to do, JT? They got to bang and crash. They got to get dirty. They got to block shots. They got to get their nose, you know, put in the grindstone and, 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 and do all the things to win. So I think they're more vulnerable because they don't normally have the skill set, but you're right. And often the difference between winning and losing a series, or in this case, perhaps winning or losing a cup, because I think the fourth line of Vegas is better than the fourth line of Florida, in my opinion. Steve Cooley is kind enough to join us, NHL Network Radio. All right, here's a big one. Florida beats Boston. So if you can beat Boston, you can beat anybody. If Boston was coming to Vegas, and if they were playing Vegas in the Stanley Cup, and I'm a Vegas guy, I wouldn't even predict Vegas to win. I thought Boston was unbeatable this year. Florida gets them, and then Florida continues to play at a high level. Steve, in the NBA, the NBA doesn't compete hard in the regular season. They mail it in. That's not the case in the NHL. How does an eight-seed Florida Panthers not only get into the playoffs, but peak to beat Boston and now seem to be playing better than they played even when they beat the Bruins with all this time off? Looking back 20 years from now, what are we going to say? How did the Panthers get to this point? Well, I look back on my notes on October 1st, and I had Florida finishing second in the Atlantic. So the stock came out of the gate and dropped, and then people dumped it. 
they were already too good. So when they got mm. in on the grace of God's Penguins-Blackhawks game on April 11th, when somehow Chicago beat Pittsburgh, which knocked out the Penguins, put Chicago in the third spot that ended up getting Connor Bedard in the third spot as opposed to losing and finishing second, Florida was a team that was better than their record. And from the 1st of January, were among the best teams in the NHL. If it was a financial planner, they would have said, by the sun. Florida is the sun. They're too good to be this bad. And did I expect what happened against Boston? No. Toronto? No. Carolina? More so, but not a sweep. They've got guys who are built for the playoffs, and they do have a lot of guys who, what's our, what's our thesis today? Motivated players that their careers have at times been fine. Claire, Nick Cousins, Sam Bennett, even to a certain extent, Sam Reinhart. They have a lot of guys who at some point, Brandon Montour, who didn't know their future. Mark Stahl, Gustav Forsling, Josh Mahura, two guys on waivers, and one guy we thought was finished. So they were in a different category of not mailing it in like your NBA and competing for all 82 games. And they need a second to help get them in. And once they did, once you've got a ticket to this dance, you can go home with the prom queen. Florida was too good to just be the eighth seed, my friend. Steve Coolius, NHL Network Radio, last one. Living in Vegas, and you know from being at games, it's a Cirque du Soleil show before the game. It's going to be 95 to 100 degrees. So get now we're at the point now where the weather's getting hot. Uh, sixth year in the league, two Stanley Cup finals. Everybody's got to know Vegas is legit now. Florida's coming in. Will Gary Bettman do a good job? Will the league do a good job promoting this? Or is Canada cashed out because, once again, there's no original six team. There's no Canadian team there. You don't have Los Angeles. You don't have New York. Are people going to get behind this and say, man, this looks interesting? Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world, the Florida Panthers, the eight seed that beat the Bruins, just got a chance to get a good rating and for, for it to have a big buzz? Or is it going to be like it happens a lot of time in hockey? You know, the diehards will watch, and the other ones won't jump in because we don't have a major market team. I think that's a brilliant question. I really do. And I really do believe there's sexiness in this matchup. The Cinderella mm-hmm. Panther story in the markets you just named that they knocked off. And there is something about Vegas. There is. I don't care where you are listening right now in North America. Vegas has cachet. They have a buzz. They also have a great team. Petrangelo. Are we talking about Michael now? so Stone. There's a lot to like about Vegas. They've got sexiness. I think this will be a well-watched, obviously well-attended, um, and well well-advised series for hockey fans, those who sometimes tune out because of the weather, to be tuned back in. I think we're going to have at least a six-gamer that's going to be very entertaining and is going to play well for TNT and for us here at Hockey Night in Canada. It always helps, too. There's 15 Canadians on the Vegas Golden Knights that are going to play <laughs> and 11 Florida Panthers. So there might not be the eichel Kachuk star power, but there's a lot of other players. I think this playoffs has been really, really good. It's like the book. You're not, you're not putting it down. It's like the movie. You're not turning it off. This playoff from day one to where we are now has been so intriguing. People want to know, will Vegas get it done in year six, or will Cinderella make it past midnight? That's the storyline. I think it sells, my friend. I think it sells.
Well, they'll be watching in Manitoba, Steve. We know that. <laughs> thanks for the thanks for the time, my friend. I love your energy, your passion. You sell hockey as good as anyone. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me, and I'll give you the Francais au revoir, my friend. Au revoir. <laughs> thanks, Steve. Great. And check out Steve on SiriusXM and follow him. He's a lot of fun. He's a combination of David Faraday, if you're a golf fan, He's one of those guys that can cover it on every level, and he makes a lot of fun with it, podcast, his radio show. So I'm thrilled that we were able to get him on here Friday as we continue on. So Golden Knights, game one, as I mentioned in the first hour, I had a great time last night, great time last night with the Raiders at the M Resort. It was one of the best off-season events I've ever emceed in my career with the Raiders. Without a doubt, uh, Josh McDaniels put it together with the owner, Mark Davis, to have every single player, other than Josh Jacobs, not that Josh skipped it and all that, but we know his current contract status. I had an opportunity to spend some good time with Jimmy Garoppolo. Really, one of the first times I've ever met De- Devontae. And Devontae's been here a year. We just haven't crossed paths. I never had him on radio, but we talked for a few minutes, and he was great. Spent some quality time with Mad Max Crosby. Max was great. Uh, just a little bit behind the scenes again, as I mentioned earlier with this event, with Matt Millen on stage with Art Shell. H. Rod Martin, who's been the trainer since 1980 with his Super Bowl experience. And then we had the great Raymond Chester and Charles Woodson. They all spoke to the team. I moderated it. Man, Matt Millen. When Matt Millen grabs a microphone and he starts telling players, Matt won the Super Bowl as a rookie, came in from Penn State and Joe Paterno and a lot of success and comes in and wins the Super Bowl. And he ends up winning four totally. Won one with the Niners and the Redskins, two with the Silver and Black. And one of the questions that I asked Matt was, tell every one of these young men in the room, the rookies, if they can participate, how could they help a team win a Super Bowl? And he went list by list on how you can add to a team your rookie year and win a championship. I've never heard him talk that way. It was really cool. And then the great Charles Woodson had a lot to say about when he left the Raiders, went to Green Bay, got a championship, and came back. And he let all the players know. You know what Charles said? And again, I'm not giving away too much from last night, but Charles said the reason he came back, when Charles was a free agent and he was leaving Green Bay, uh, he thought he was going to, believe it or not, Denver was on him in a big way, and the 49ers. And Reggie McKenzie called Charles and said, you know, Charles, why don't you come on uh, back here and at least take a visit? Let's have, have, have a visit and, and sit down with us. And the word was out in the Raider Nation, I remember it well, on Harbor Way in Alameda. And when Charles came, the Raider Nation was outside the building. Do you remember that? I think a lot of our listeners in Oakland do because it was publicized. And Charles said he got out of the car and everybody was chanting his name. And that meant everything to him. And he shared that story with the younger players. On um, When he came back, he wasn't planning on coming back, but the fans – the fans of the Silver and Black was the real reason why he decided to come back. So I thought that was really cool for Charles to say that. And, man, Raymond Chester, Raymond told stories about being in Kansas City for the draft. And as soon as he gets done, you know, making the Raiders pick, he sat in for Willie Brown, who passed away. And, you know, Willie Brown always represented the Raiders at the NFL draft. Uh, he told the story, Raymond, as soon as he got off stage, his phone rang, and it was me and Joe Green. So he talked about rivalries and how you become friends. And the second he gets off the stage in Kansas City, mean Joe Green is on his cell phone saying, great job, Raymond. Fantastic to see you on TV. Is that cool? 
They went up against each other, the biggest battles, the greatest rivalry in the 70s, and they're still friends today. It's about a family, and last night Mark Davis brought the family together of the Raiders players and their alumni, and Josh McDaniels had a big part of it. So as we continue to tell you what Josh McDaniels does right, uh, today is a good example for me to tell you what Josh McDaniels did last night. He did something that was exceptional. All the players were there. They all got it. They all appreciated it. And they're going to have a great weekend. And OTA sounded like it went really well. And Jimmy Garoppolo looked fantastic. And to talk to Jimmy and everybody was gravitating to him. As the cover of the paper says today, lacking quarterback anxiety. McDaniels has no concerns about Garoppolo's status. That was written by our teammate here, Vinny Bonsignor. A lot more to get to, including, as you know, this Raiders roundtable is important content for us. So on Monday, we have a big show on Monday. Monday, we're going to be live on YouTube from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. That's going to be a three-hour broadcast. We're going to have a bunch of players on. It's going to be media day. We're going to be on the field in the indoor facility. Q Myers, myself, along with Eric Allen, will anchor that, and then I'll host the show over from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center on Monday. I picked up a shift on Sirius XM, so I won't be going to game two. So I'm hoping game one of the Stanley Cup Finals turns out to be perfect. So that's what I got going over the weekend here. We always thank our proud partners here, especially Modelo. Jim Plunkett was there last night. My Modelo guy, the fighting spirit of Modelo, proud partner of our show right here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. This is Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria, home of the famous New York-style coal-fired... Welcome to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. That's Q Myers. I'm JT, and we are here today, coming off OTAs, getting you ready for what the future of this offseason looks like, and we'll get you ready for the start of the upcoming season for the Silver and Black Q, good to talk to you. We got a lot to get to today because Jimmy Garoppolo is making headlines around the NFL. We're going to talk about his status currently, and there hasn't been much change to it after the procedure that was done after he signed. But it looks like the way the Raiders redid that contract and some of the language that they put in, they have protection if he's not able to go. And if he's able to go, it's all systems go with Jimmy J. Right, exactly. It sounds like the protection was something that was very important to him. So they went ahead and and took care of that, you know, readjusted the contract a little bit. And now I think we're all kind of in a a wait-and-see mode. You know, I mean, we saw OTAs come and go. We know mandatory minicamp is around the corner. And I think for everyone involved, you want to see Jimmy G out there for training camp. I think the key is, will Jimmy G be ready to go by training camp? That seems to be the bull. Eye right. the date yeah. that everybody's talking about. Until we hear anything else, until we hear anything on this topic, we're going to act like he's going to be ready to go. You know, it's interesting. I talk about this a lot as a sports talk radio host, and you do too. When someone gets a procedure or a surgery or a cleanup, whatever it is, you assume they're going to come back 100%. Right. They don't come back 80% or 90%. If that's the case, then don't have the procedure. Right. Just play banged up a bit. Garoppolo's been injured in the past, and it seems like the surgeries have all worked out. The procedures have worked out, and he's been ready to go. Right. So I, I'm not going to sit here and suggest that he's not going to be able to remain healthy. I'm going to assume if everything goes right, right with the procedure, he'll be 100% and ready to go. And, that, and that's what you have to assume, you know. And, and again, I mean, it's concerning 
when it's Jimmy Garoppolo only because he's had the injury sure. history. So, of course, that's something that creeps into everybody's mind. But at the end of the day, you have to feel like no matter what report is out there, no matter what you're reading, the Raiders felt good enough to still sign him. I think a lot's at stake for Jimmy Garoppolo to a come lot. back. There's a lot of money at stake. He yes. wants to be the quarterback here. When I interviewed him the day of his initial contract signing when he came in, he's very optimistic. I think he's an excellent quarterback in this system. The key with Jimmy Garoppolo is in this system, he doesn't have to learn this playbook, Hugh. Right. He's got the playbook down. He's an unbelievable passer in the short passing game, 20 to 30 yards. I don't think chemistry is going to be a problem at all, right. but you'd like to see him get the reps in with Devontae. Yeah. we got a brand-new tight end here. Mm-hmm. You know, Jacoby's here, Hunter. You want to get that chemistry going, but all reports are he's on pace to come back and be ready for training camp. And that's the thing about it with the weapons that the Raiders have offensively. I mean, Devontae is the best wide receiver he's ever played with. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it. You know, yeah, he's had some good weapons in San Francisco, but – Devontae's the best wide receiver, and we know that the rest of the weapons that the Raiders have, the offense could be explosive, but I think it would be important to get those reps early in training camp just to get familiarity, just so they can get that kind of, okay, Devontae, I want you to do this because my shoulder's moving, you know, so they can pick up on on little things where they can communicate without talking. They've got to get on that page. Jimmy wins most of the games he plays. He's won four playoff games. He understands the playbook. He's a true pro. Again, we don't play trainers and doctors on the Roundtable podcast here, but I'm assuming that he's going to be here and ready to go because if he is ready to go, I've always thought that the offense will be elevated, Q, because I think he's better than the former quarterback because he's Mm -hmm. better in the short passing game and he's better with this playbook. That's it. If you want to say that this is a – you know, both quarterbacks are roughly the same, Carr and Garoppolo. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But I think the key to Garoppolo is his ability to absorb this playbook right. that he knows, the mm-hmm. principles of it, and get the ball out quicker and be better in the red zone. That's and the key right there. The red, red zone's zone. going to be everything yes. this year because the Raiders are going to have to stay on the field and score a lot of points. Yeah, and I think that really the addition of Michael Mayer, the second-round tight end, I think mm-hmm. that's going to help a ton in the red zone. He's just really good at that. If you go back and look and see what he did at Notre Dame, he thrived in the red zone. And so Jimmy G has all of a sudden Devontae Adams, has uh, Hunter Renfro, he has Jacoby Myers, he has Michael Mayer, all in the red zone. Instead of having to throw the ball short and hope a guy breaks a tackle or two to get to the end zone, they'll throw the ball into the end zone. Well, as much as we all want to hear about Jimmy Garoppolo, and there is no news today on that, there was a lot of news last week on Devontae Adams. He wanted to clear the air. I thought the press conference was critical because mm-hmm. of the article that was in the ringer. What does Devontae think about all of this, the offseason, the new quarterback, the offensive system that he played in last year? Here's Devontae Adams. The front office, I mean, I haven't had a relationship in, you know, in the past. This is 10 years for me in this game, and I haven't had a relationship like what I have with those guys. So everything's get taken out of context. I wouldn't be here. I mean, I told you guys right after the Derek thing, you know, I was here to stay and I wasn't going anywhere. So you can you can take you can grab something and run with it if you want just, you know, to to get clicks. And that's what that's what people often do with me and, and things that I say, whether I misspeak or if I speak up. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm a Raider and I'm excited to to be here. I love I love my my head coach and I love the the general manager here and everybody. I mean from the from the top to the bottom. So um, I have no reason to lie. I mean one thing I don't do is BS. So I'm not gonna make anything up when it comes to that. I'd rather keep my mouth closed if if I have negative things to say. But when I say that these are some some good men in this in this place that I I really value the relationship that I have with them. I mean that. So. You know, that's, that's about all that needs to be said for that. That is a really big soundbite. Let's analyze it. First off, 
it tells you everything you know about Green Bay. Right. Because he didn't have that relationship in Green Bay. Right. He didn't have the ability to talk to the owner, the mm-hmm. GM, and the coach that way. He used the word love. He didn't say like. Right. He said, I love the head coach. I love the GM. Right. So he went out there, and you were there. You were sitting a yep. couple of rows back with a purpose. What was your takeaway from the press conference? Well, Devontae is who he is, right? And like he said, he's unapologetically him. I mean, and he's going to say what's on his mind. And the thing about it is he embraces the fact that he can go to Josh McDaniels. He can go to Dave Ziegler. He can walk in the owner's office and speak his mind. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do everything that he wants but they'll at least hear him out, whereas in Green Bay, as you mentioned, that wasn't the case. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was the guy there. And, you know, the one thing that also stood out, JT, is at the end of the season last year in the locker room following one of the last games, I remember asking Devontae, especially myself, I just said, hey, are you okay with the direction that the organization is going? He said, absolutely. He said, that's what, that's, that's what I said last week, and that's why I'm, I'm going to be here because I do know the direction that the team is going to go, and we're going in the right direction. So he's very comfortable with being yeah. a Raider. The organization gave up a one and a two for him and paid him a lot of money, right. and he's a businessman. You talk about his briefcase coming to work and how he prepares. That's a total pro at a press conference who wanted to make it clear, I'm shutting down anything in the offseason that you might think I'm not happy about any issue here. Now there's a lot of involvement going on on the health of Jimmy Garoppolo. We're going to see what happens when the team comes back here. But I think Devontae went in laser-focused to send a message that he's on board Mm -hmm. with the entire organization, which is very important. And we often talk about this as sports talk hosts. This is an era now of player entitlement. And I don't look at Devontae acting like he wants to be entitled. Right. In the NBA, you got NBA players all the time. I'm yeah. going to leave. I'm going right. to leave. Just yeah, trade yeah, yeah. me. I don't yeah. care what it has to. Devontae's not like that, but he is entitled to mm-hmm. talk to this coach right. and GM. He's and earned I, it. And I think the respect that Josh McDaniels talked about that he has and the ability to say what he wants is very important because Devontae earned it. Yeah, and that's exactly it. He's earned it. And that's something that uh, I, I just I be- believe that Josh McDaniels in that relationship with Devontae is good, is really good, just because of that open communication. And, you know, he has that, that ability to do that and walk in the door and say that. And he embraces that so much where, again, it was Aaron Rodgers' team in Green Bay. This is his team now. This is Devontae Adams' team, right? Regardless of Jimmy G being healthy or not, this is Devontae Adams' team. I agree. Him and Max Crosby. And so those are the two alpha dogs on the team, one on both sides of the ball. So he has earned that right, and he can speak up in the locker room. He even mentioned in that press conference he wishes that he had spoke up a little earlier last year, but he was still getting acclimated to the new team. So now he knows that from day one he can say something in that locker room and everyone's listening. Well, one of the good things about Devontae, too, he's been very fortunate. He played with Aaron Rodgers, one of the all-time greats, played with his college roommate, Derek Carr was a high-level quarterback, and now he's playing with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's won a lot of games. If you look at all of this, Mm -hmm. he hasn't played with the the bottom-of-the-barrel guys. He hasn't played with quarterbacks that are ranked in 28 to 30. He's had it pretty good, and he's always been the alpha where he's going to get the ball first. I think he's in a really good place. I don't know Devontae well, but I know people that do know him well. And he loves the golf out here. He loves the dining. His wife and kids love it. He seems to be really happy. You interviewed the author of the Ringer column there, Mm -hmm. which is why this all started, because he did say a couple things on the record, but it seemed like he went into the press conference here at the facility to clean it up. Exactly, and she even told me that, you know, Q, there's so much in this article that he said that a lot of people are missing because they're just looking at one line here, one line there, but he loves being a Raider. He's committed 
to getting this team where it needs to be, winning a Super Bowl. That is his goal with the Raiders, and that's what she said. She kept going over that. He is so committed to this organization, committed to the coaching staff, committed to his teammates. He wants to get it done, loves being on the West Coast. His family is so important to him, so being able to have his family at games is important to him. And she even said while they were doing the uh, the interview for the article, his mom was making some, uh, some food at the house, right, some home cooking, and he loved every minute of that. So he's enjoying his t- time here in Las Vegas. Devontae looks all good from that press conference. Now we go to what you saw at OTAs here. And again, bringing in new players with yeah. established players. You got a limited view here, but what'd you see with the energy? You know, Mad Max is jumping up and yeah. down. Devontae's <laughs> got the huddle quiet and right. the receivers and yeah. the new tight end, new slot receiver, and a couple of new players on defense. It's just good to see the football activities. We know that in OTAs there's no, you know, there's no pads or anything like that. But they're going through drills and you're seeing the energy out there. And you're seeing guys run from station to station. And you're seeing the new guys try to pick up things. And you're also seeing guys like Max Crosby, as you mentioned, kind of be instructors, right? And start to be that veteran leader. Leader. And then Devontae was just lead by example. You know, every single drill, he's at the front of the line. And then every other wide receiver is following in his footsteps. And so it was good to see them out there uh, knowing that, hey, this is just the early stages of it. But, you know, you see guys like Michael Mayer and you realize how big these guys are. Yeah. You know, and that's the other thing is seeing them up close and personal. And you realize how, how much, how big of monsters they are. And Ja'Korian Bennett, I did, one thing stood out to me about him. They ran a, a deep route to Philip Dorsett and just tried to hit him with a deep ball. And, man, Ja'Korian Bennett ran stride for stride, and we know that Philip Dorsett is a speedster. Ja'Korian Bennett is as well. What I like about this, too, we know that there's no Jimmy Garoppolo here participating in Tyree Wilson, obviously, because right. of what's happening with his procedure, and he'll, he'll be ready and good to go. I like the fact that the offensive line is healthy and they believe mm-hmm. in themselves coming right. off this. We're waiting on Josh Jacobs to sign his agreement on the franchise tag, but I think it's very important to see the offensive line come together, yeah. to be healthy, right. have another workout, another opportunity to be together. Because the competition last year, you remember, you and I were here last yes. year, and we didn't know what was going on with right. the offensive line. Right. They were going seven or eight deep. Yeah. Now it seems like the structure's in place, plus some new additions on the mm-hmm. offensive line. So I think there's going to be really good competition maybe for one position instead right. of last year where there was competition for two or three. Right, and it seemed like the competition for two or three lasted, what, five, six yeah, weeks into the did. season, right? This is one where I think now they have the opportunity to get that, that starting five established and get their, their depth established as well. So week one, they know who their starting five on the offensive line is going to be. I think that continuity is going to go a major way. I'll also say watch out for the undrafted free agents, you know, the McClendon Curtises. Yeah. Uh, I think that guys like that, they, they can be pri- they're a priority undrafted free agents signed immediately after the draft on the offensive line, they could provide some big-time competition in this training camp. When we come back, we'll take a look at the flex schedule. I love the fact that the Raiders have all these primetime games. Mm -hmm. Marquee schedule for the silver and black, but what about on the back end with the flex schedule and what the rest of the league thinks as we continue on Raiders Roundtable? Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. Q Myers, JT. We appreciate you watching. If you're watching on any of the platforms or listening on Raider Nation Radio, the flagship of the Silver and Black, I want to jump into the schedule queue, and I'm excited about it. When the schedule came out around these parts, you're never thrilled with the Raiders' schedule. There's <laughs> always games right. that you look at and say, why was this? How could you right. open up with two games on the road? That's right. really difficult to do because mm-hmm. they're the home openers. Okay, these aren't road games. It's the home opener for Denver and at Buffalo, which is, I think, going to be the toughest game of the year is week two. Yeah. But then the home game, which will be the season opener for the Raiders against Pittsburgh, a primetime game there. This schedule jumps out at me and says, really difficult early, 
But the fact that Green Bay and Pittsburgh are at home before week six, I think the Raiders have an opportunity for a couple of wins. That Charger game is critical. It's on the road. But that's really not a road game. That's a right. home game for the Silver and Black. There's no doubt. I mean, just looking at the schedule off top, I mean, it's it's a tough schedule, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But we knew the games were going to be tough because we already knew the opponents. But just looking at the way it shakes out and seeing those two games on the road, Denver and then at Buffalo, uh, those are going to be two tough back-to-back games. But then returning home, getting that home game and getting a primetime game. I mean, really, some of these games that could end up being some fantastic games, Pittsburgh, Green Bay, you know, even Detroit on the road. I mean, these these are all in primetime. So that they have a really fun schedule schedule as far as the primetime uh, games and, and really I was shocked this, that they had so many games in primetime yeah I don't like the bye week in week 13 uh, yeah. I don't think anybody does that's no. too late in the season the latest it's been there I don't like the fact that the Kansas City games are week 12 and 16 right. I always want to get Kansas City early mm-hmm. I'd like to get them in week one or two just to have a there. better shot yeah, <laughs> yeah. play yeah. that game early yeah and then the one that really jumps out at me Denver week one and week 18 mm-hmm. and that that's bizarre to me that you have it at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year, but there is a run that a lot of fans have been calling into our show on. We start with that Green Bay game in Week 5. New England at home, at Chicago, Detroit is okay. Right, uh, They're not a great team. And then the Giants and the Jets back-to-back. There's an opportunity for the Raiders to get on a roll. They can't stub themselves early in this schedule, and that's going to be tough because after Buffalo, coming back to Pittsburgh, that's going to be a tough stretch. But most of the schedule... I'm okay with. There are many winnable games on that schedule. Yeah. The Raiders have to be healthy. They have to be pivoting at the right time, getting that offensive loaded. And we'll know with Patrick Graham right. by weeks five or six or seven if this defense is really rocking. Right, and they they got a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball. They added this offseason, right, especially in the draft, getting six out of nine guys on the defensive side of things. So Patrick Graham ha- has an opportunity to, to turn this defense around. You know it's led by Max Crosby. I think Tyree Wilson being out there with Chandler Jones is going to help out a lot. Uh, I'm excited to see what the corners look like, especially uh, Ja'Korian Bennett, the fourth-round pick out of Maryland. I think that he's got the speed to be able to run with anybody. So that's really going to be the key, and that's going to help JT in the single-digit games that they lost the season ago, right? So many close games last year that they lost. If they're in positions to hold out uh, and win a game because the defense has to go make a play, I think they have some guys that are potentially can do that. All the guys that they drafted and brought in have made plays. I'm talking about strip sacks. I'm talking about interceptions. Being able to get their hands on the ball, that's something that the Raiders haven't had in the past. I think they have it now. I'm banking on the offense putting up extreme amount of points right. and, and really staying on the field. I want to see the time of possession change this year. Many more first downs where Max yeah. and Chandler Jones and this defense can be on the bench right. and not have to play as many snaps. and snaps. Now let's go to the Thursday night flex schedule which is a big topic because Mark Davis understands this, and he commented about the fans. He Mm -hmm. cares about the fans. And the Thursday night schedule, this comes down to Amazon wanting better games. And they put a lot of money into this package, and the league is taking a lot of money from these streaming companies. And Amazon wants better games. So if we look at what could be flexed on Thursday night, week 15 with the Raiders, that's a really important game because it's a home game for the Raiders. It's a rivalry game. But both of these teams are going to have to be in the hunt They have to be in the hunt for this game to stay the way it is. If one of the teams are out of it or not having a good year, that game will be flexed. It very well could be. I I could see that. Again, it has to be uh, very competitive games, and that's all Amazon wants is competitive, 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 because they are paying a lot of money. So I look at it with the Chargers being a a, a rival of the Raiders. I could see it being a game that they want to keep in that spot, but you're right. They can't have two teams that are struggling or one team that's just really bad. I mean, both teams have to really step up to the plate to be able to keep that, but that's really the only game Mm – 
mm-hmm. that the Raiders have scheduled that they can get flexed out of. Now, there could be a time where they get flexed into that's a, a Thursday great point. night game. They can get flexed into yeah. a Thursday night yep. game. Yep. And I think that's very important. What happens if the Raiders get flexed into a Thursday night game? Well, the new rule is you'll have 28 days right. to let the fans know. So if the Raiders have a Sunday game mm-hmm. and they get flexed into Thursday, the fans are going to have about a month, right. 28 days to fix their airline Which tickets. is better than what we thought at first. <laughs> it's important because yeah. a lot of Raider fans travel from right. Oakland and Los all Angeles over. and yeah. all over. So yep. that's going to have an effect. And Mark Davis is aware of that also. And a couple of owners you know, wanted to vote this down. But it passed there because I think it's conducive for the league to have better partnerships with their streaming right. and television partners, which I don't have a problem with. But as you know, Thursday night football, everybody comes down to this. If you win that game, you get a bye week. Yeah. You don't play to the following Sunday, right. and it could do your team wonders. If you lose the game, mm-hmm. then you got to sit there and stew for nine days saying we have to win the next game, and right. it just doesn't bring a team together. It makes a team more desperate. So I like the Thursday night game if you can win it. Right. If you don't win it, you're in trouble. Well, the think about it from the Raiders' point of view. Their bye week is week 13, and then that Thursday night game is week 15. So it's yeah. almost like having bye weeks – every other week or whatever for a couple weeks. So uh, if everything goes right and they're winning those games and they obviously are are pretty healthy in their bye week, then they're looking good for that home stretch of the season. You know, and then who knows what can happen. I despise this kickoff rule. That's just me (laughs) personally. I've talked to people on the record and off the record about this rule as they're changing special teams again. As I've been saying for years, they're taking the foot out of football. So when you have a kickoff to start the game, most times they're going to kick it out of the end zone. Mm -hmm. So you have special teams players who are kept on the roster to tackle or to block, and they're not involved in the play. And now you have the opportunity to fair catch a kickoff where Daniel Carlson, that's his strength. He can put it inside the 5, he can put it inside the 10, and the Raiders, who are supposed to have elite special teams because you're trying to make the roster, are you going to keep an extra running back, an extra receiver? That's very important around here, so I don't like it in general. The whole league's got to deal with it. Your thoughts? I can't stand it. I really can't. You know, and I know that, and I asked Josh McDaniels about this uh, last week at OTAs and what his thoughts were, and he said they're going to – it's the rule, so they're going to work with it. But please believe that they're working on figuring out a way around it because that's so critical, man. You have a kicker in Carlson who can drop that thing around the two-yard line and make you return it. Now they can wave and get a fair catch at the two-yard line and take it to the 25. And, I, and that's the other thing about it that I don't like is why are the 25? If they're going to basically give up on the play, don't give them the 25. Give them the 20. Give them the 20. Give them the 15. Don't give them the 25. You're giving them a quarter of the field. It's an important part of how this roster is going to be constructed. It's very important when you look from the 47th player up to 52-53 that those are going to be special teams guys. Of course. Now you're taking them out of the game. I mean, on punt coverage, I believe we have the best punter in the league. I talked to A.J. Cole about this off the record. I'll leave it off the record, but A.J. is a weapon for this team. He can can directional punt. He can kick it high. So I think that's going to be the strength. But I want to see Carlson have the option to do what he can do, and that's not going to happen here anymore. All the teams, I think, are frustrated with this. And when it comes to protecting players and the safety of the game, the coaches are all going to say the same thing at the podium. They want to protect the safety of of the players. We all do. Yeah. But this is tackle football, and you're taking a large chunk of the tackling out, which is special teams where guys are running at full speed, the wedge, everything that you need to do. What happens at the end of the game if the Raiders are down six 
and they need great field position. Right. They're probably not going to wave it off. They're probably going to take that kick and try to break one for 35, 40 yards. Right. Maybe if they're up by eight or nine points, they'll fair catch it and play conservative. So there is a little gamesmanship on what's going to happen. There is, and I know that these coaches are smart enough to get into the lab and figure out exactly what they can do and make it work for them, and that's what they'll always do. But I'm just with you, man. I don't like it. I don't like the fact that they're taking that element out and you're rewarding the other team for basically giving up on the play, just saying, you know, and it's look, they're doing it in college football already. They're doing it in high school football, and I don't like it on any level. I mean, again, it's, it's, a, it's an area of the team that some guys, that's all they do. We call guys special team aces for a reason. Absolutely. That's what they do. They're special team aces, and now you're basically eliminating their job, and these guys are trying to make rosters and stick on a roster and have a career. Look, Matt Collins a year ago was a special teams ace that ended up being a good wide receiver for him, but he was brought in for special teams. Yeah, and a lot of the Patriots in the past, we talk about yeah. some of the players that have come over. That's been the strength of New England and some other teams. Kansas right. City, very good. It's going to change the way they play the game. We're excited to tell you about Media Day next week, yes. where we're going to have in-depth team coverage right here inside the facility. And we're going to be out there with the players. We're going to have extensive interviews. It's really going to be a special day because I think mm-hmm. the fans are ready to see what we can do in this building right. and how we can give them the access that they want on Media Day. There's no doubt about it. Raider fans always want as much access as possible, and we're going to get that opportunity Media Day, get to basically uh, meet and greet and talk with all the players on the team and just bring as much uh, information to Raider Nation as possible. So, yeah, that's always a date on my calendar that has circled I look forward to. We used to do it in Napa, which had some benefits. Now it's not that hot here just yet. Right, right. I love being close to home and being in this building. This building's amazing. So to host Media Day, to have this great studio that we have, to have the ability to go inside or outside, I really think you're going to enjoy our coverage next week. For Q Myers, I'm JT. We'll see you back here for a very special edition of Raiders Roundtable and our media day coverage next week. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Resorts World Las Vegas, the newest property on the Strip. And Ball Arena ready to explode. The first finals game in franchise history is a rousing success. Denver's 9-0 at home in the playoffs. They take game one. That's Nuggets Radio on the call as the Denver Nuggets easily win game one last night of the NBA Finals. They take out the Heat. And as I said, I think they'll win in five. I think they're the much better team there, and they proved it last night. Welcome back. Our final segment of the week here on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio with the Stanley Cup Final in town. And the NBA Finals going down. Nikola Jokic had a triple-double, and Jamal Murray scored 26 in that game one win. And the the thing I want to point out that is very important for all the basketball fans that we know are listening is Miami only attempted two free throws in the entire game. That is as gutless and pathetic as anything you'll ever see in the history of the NBA Finals. I'm I'm talking the history of of the NBA Finals. That was so pathetic and gutless to have two free throw attempts. Now think about that. I don't care if you're coaching youth basketball with the eight-year-olds, high school basketball with Bishop Gorman, college basketball, Kevin Kruger at UNLV. Imagine playing in your biggest game of the year and every starter, all five of the starters, doesn't attempt a free throw. That is pathetic. Jimmy Butler, no free throws. Caleb Martin played as good as anybody against Boston. No free throw attempts. He was one of seven from the field for three points. Oh, my God, what a dog game that was. 
Bam Adebayo took 25 shots. He was 13 to 25. That's not bad. He had 26 points. No free throw attempts. The center of the Miami Heat didn't take a free throw attempt. Vincent, 38 minutes. Six of 10, excuse me, five of 10 from three. Zero free throw attempts. And Marcus Struess, 21 minutes. How about this for a stat line? 0 for 10 from the field. 0 for 9 from three. Zero from zero from the free throw line. All five starters from the Miami Heat didn't attempt the free throw. I can honestly say I've never heard of that in my life, ever at any level, high school, college, or pro, in a massive game. I'm talking about Gorman in the state championship, UNLV in the Mountain West Conference playoffs, and the NBA Finals. Eric Spolster should have to give back his pay from last night. And they only lost by 11 points. So they should have took about 25 free throws. They probably would have hit 18 or 19 of them. You think that would have made a difference. So the Heat have no chance. They don't. Denver's the better team. Uh, The box score for Denver, again, it was all about Jokic. 40 minutes, 8 of 12 from the field. 10 of 12 from the free throw line. He had 27. And Murray had 26. And it was a really solid game. Solid game for Denver. And we didn't expect the Heat to win. I thought the Heat would cover the spread. I was wrong there. I said, pick the Heat. I got Denver to win this in five, but I would take the Heat to pick a couple of covers in this. I thought they'd lose last night, but by like six or seven points. So not only did they lose, they didn't cover the spread. So Denver is off to the races here, and I think Denver is going to come away with this. And if they do, this is going to be a legacy play when we come back next week and talk about the rest of the NBA Finals because if Jokic wins, he'll have two MVPs, most likely the Finals MVP, and a ring. And that will put him not on the Mount Rushmore of big man with Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul, Jabbar, and Shaq, but it'll put him in the room. So, again, I had that Raider event last night over at the M. The players are watching the game. And then afterwards I came home and I was talking to my son about it, and we watched NBA TV, and the post game had Charles Barkley and Shaq on. And this wasn't inside the NBA, as you know, on TNT because they don't get coverage anymore. So Shaq and Barkley were working for NBA TV. And in the middle of their conversation, Charles Barkley took a shot at Skip Bayless. And he was referring to Shaq saying that if you don't like your partner, you could get bought out. And what Shaq was doing was supporting Shannon Sharp. And Shannon Sharp got a buyout now. He's basically going away from Fox Sports 1, FS1 on there with the Undisputed Show with Skip. And he got a buyout because Skip, by all accounts, is a horrible human being. So... I don't like going there, but I have to because this is the number one trending topic in sports, and I want to wrap it up with this. When Skip Bayless was a columnist for the San Jose Mercury News, he would come on KNBR. I was on KNBR 1050. I interviewed him, but not a lot. You know, I interviewed Ray Ratto, Skip Bayless, Tim Kawakami, wink, wink, Timmy. Tim Kawakami, who loved me back in the day when he was trying to sell a book and and, and into boxing. I'd see him, and we always got along back then, but... Uh, Tim uh, Tim does not like Raiders or Raider insiders, quote-unquote. I've always liked him. I like, I like how brash he could be. I like how cranky he could be. But I, this is not about Kawakami. It's about Skip. So Skip ended up in Dallas, and Skip took some failed shots at Troy Aikman. There was some really big – just Google Skip Bayless, Troy Aikman. Okay, just Google that, and you'll have something to read. But Skip ends up working with Stephen A. Stephen A is a very good friend of mine. I've worked with Stephen A. 
on Fox Sports Radio, and I helped him at a time in his career where he needed some help, and he never forgot it. And now he's the biggest. He's the number one guy in media. And Pat McAfee's coming up big, too, because McAfee got a massive deal at ESPN. But Skip is very big. You know, reportedly makes six-plus million dollars a year, and he's in his 70s. I think he's 71 years old. But from knowing people on the inside and people that know Skip, most people say he has deteriorated into a horrible human being. And what a horrible human being is, is someone who can't work well with people. That's the worst part of your legacy in media if you don't get along with everybody and and treat everybody at work the same and treat everybody with dignity and respect. And Skip doesn't do that, and he didn't do it to Shannon Sharp. So I've been hanging out with Shannon a little bit here lately because I emceed Warren Moon's event for the Pro Bowl. Shannon was there. I know Shannon's agent, who's the same agent as Tim Brown, same agent as Fred Belitnikov, uh, same agent as a lot of the legends of the Raiders. So I know Shannon just a little bit. Met him a few times recently. Good guy. And he couldn't take Skip anymore. Couldn't take him. So that's what happens here. So Skip is trending today because he's an actor. He's an actor. Just like a movie actor, but he's a bad reality television star. And the issue with Skip is he doesn't play well with others. He doesn't have a personal life. He doesn't go out much in public. He can't because he chose to make all that money and be a bad guy. So part of that means that you don't feel comfortable in public places because people don't like you. And he chose that life for the money. And that's the choice he made. So for Shannon Sharp, he's going to do big things. Wait till you see what Shannon's got lined up with his cognac, and he's got one of the biggest podcasts in the world, and he's going to do really well, and someone's going to scoop him up, and Skip's going to remain miserable and full control of that show, and he's going to get a yes man to take the second spot here that he can control and yell at, and that's a story today. You know, it's not a slow time in sports here in Vegas because we get the Stanley Cup final, and the Raiders just wrapping up OTAs and all of that, but the biggest story in sports today is the Denver Nuggets and Skip Bayless. And for Denver, it's really good. For Skip, it's really bad. Hey, thanks for listening all week. We had a really good week. Bobby put it all together. He's fantastic. Want to thank the Golden Knights for the guests they provided us. And we want to thank all of our listeners here and, most importantly, our proud partners. And we talk about them all the time, from PTs to Resorts World, Modelo, Remy Martin, the DeCastaverde Law Group, everything that the DeCastaverde Law Group does for us. Uh, If you're looking for my personal jeweler, it's Michael E. Minden. Fantastic, the job that they do overall. Also, our partners at Meetup Vegas. Go to meetupvegas.com. The code word is JTBRICK. If you're looking for any type of great meat, chicken, burger deal, they take care of all of us. The Black Hole. The Black Hole, our partners here. Go to theblackhole.com and become a member. And uh, Golden Entertainment, Grimaldi's, Pizzeria, Virgin Las Vegas and Resorts World, Scott Sabella and his vision for this global resort with Doghouse Saloon for Sports. If I forgot anybody, I don't think I did. Uh, more and more partners jumping on board with this show because we got the Super Bowl this year in F1. Thank you so much for the support. Q on deck as always. Have a great weekend, everybody, and go Knights go.